0: Marata. And Marata. Marata. And yeah. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigley Blast.
1: Something is happening with the Suns and it is not good because either the general manager is sleeping at the wheel, driving a championship caliber team into the ditch or something else is standing in this team's path. And on Tuesday, Brian Windhorst offered an ominous scenario. He reported that Robert Sarver still has to sign off on any NBA deals for players making more than the league average. That any trade for Jay Crowder has to go through his day- and that the sale of the team to Matt Ishbia isn't likely to go down until after the trade deadline passes and the latter would be disastrous. That would mean the Suns would eat the expiring contracts of Jay Crowder and Dario Saric and that would mean the Suns are effectively punting away what might be Chris Paul's last best chance to win a title. So, is that what we're really watching here? And was the NBA really so desperate to get Sarver out of the league, that they gave him too much power on the way out the door? All I know is this. Windhorse reported many multiplayer trades have crossed Sarver's desk and the Suns have done nothing. And at some point, the rest of the NBA isn't going to waste their time talking to James Jones anymore, not when he has zero authority to actually finalize deals. So hopefully the new owner, the incoming owner, can make the NBA speed up this approval process, allowing Jones the wherewithal to save a season in progress, a season that is growing darker with every passing game. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who have two great locations and they make luxury attainable and you can find them online at chapmanbmw.com. There's been
2: a lot of speculation and I've kind of shot these down, but like that, that, you know, maybe you were handcuffed and you couldn't trade a first round draft pick until there was an ownership change, but none of that was really true, right? You've had the, the ability to go make deals and sign players and things like that on your own as it is right now, correct?
0: Uh, we i've had i've had the ability to do some things um evidently when you're when you're like where we are um just not us but the other other franchises and the, you know counterparts they think about okay um what's the likelihood something will be able to get done uh so it it, it ices it, it chills it a little bit but um as far as business we've been able to to have the conversations and, and focus on the things we think can improve the team and uh, we'll continue to
1: do so going forward Yeah, I term that answer is very slippery. If you listen to what James Jones says, he admits that there is some icing effect and yet there's the ability to do some things. It's a very it's a very problematic thing because the first question is, why would the NBA allow Robert Sarver to have this kind of power over a team um, that needs some help right now? And the only answer I can come to is they had no other choice that it was either that or he was going to fight this and they were okay. Listen. Let's just get this guy out of the league, and if it costs the Suns a season, so be it. And this is not necessarily what is happening, but there is a lot of questions as to why nothing has happened from a trade standpoint with this basketball team. And again, if multiplayer trades have come across Robert Sarver's desk and nothing has happened, that to me is a problem. He's also suspended,
0: so there is no desk. Well, then maybe there's a desk at home, right? So Robert Sarver's sitting there at home. Mm-hmm. And listen, the. The whole crux of this story and why it is a story is, is the insinuation that Robert Sarver may be sabotaging purposely or, or standing in the mm-hmm. way of the Suns improving their basketball team because he's pissed off.
1: Or, I mean, or, that's what or this because is all- he doesn't want to add any money to a salary tax situation, luxury tax situation.
0: I guess there is a financial component Maybe. to that as well, right. but he's just about he's about to make he's,
1: right uh, a billion dollars. Right. I
0: mean, so again, it, 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 but, to me, to me, this is this we're talking about spite above above yeah. all else. Otherwise, okay, fine. So Robert Sarver has final approval. Great. James Jones comes up with a trade that he likes for Jay Crowder or whoever. It should be a formality that Robert Sarver says, you like it, go ahead, do it. But the fact that we're wondering about this right now, the insinuation is that could it be possible that Robert Sarver is standing in the way of the Suns improving mm-hmm. their basketball team because he's very upset about the way this thing went down? It's, 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 it's troubling. Mm-hmm. It's certainly it's certainly interesting and certainly worth talking about and speculating about because when you, you say R- R- James Jones doesn't have handcuffs, yeah, he does. Well, that would Brian, be significant handcuffs. Brian Winhorst just broke the story. Mm-hmm. So to, to say otherwise is incorrect. Right. They absolutely have to go through to, for certain things. Now, smaller deals and transactions, no. And that's what James said there. He goes, well, for some things I've been able to do. But for the big things, the most important thing, it's got to go through Robert Sarver. Now, the league, Dan, I want to just get your thoughts on this. The league, they're powerful. I mean, they're they're not quite the NFL, but they're up there, mm-hmm. If they want to rubber stamp Ishbia and, and expedite this process. Winhorse wrote about, well, you know, it happened before the holidays, and the insinuation there is nobody works for a couple of weeks, and they're worried about the CBA, and that's high on their list. If Adam Silver wants to push this thing through, mm-hmm. he can do it. He can yeah. do it. He I- can do it. Yes. I, 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 just, I don't. I, can you do it before the ninth? I don't. I don't know, but they can expedite it if it's a priority to them.
1: And again, we're going to find out uh, again. Just uh, the proof will be in what happens in the coming weeks with this basketball team. Because you're right. If if this was such a problem, and Matt Ishbia calls up Adam Silver and says, "Listen, can we do something about this here? Because my basketball team is floundering, and 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 we're tr- we've got these moves I want to make, but they're not approving that. If that is indeed happening." and we don't know it is but again Brian Windhorst is pretty dialed in and and so if that's the case then you would think that the NBA would jump to that but as Brian Windhorst points out in that story the NBA is also currently engaged in 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 collective bargaining with the players union which is far more important to them than the plight of the 2022-23 phoenix suns and so it just it paints a picture that i know but pick there's not like two guys working there they can do two things i would at hope once. i mean i know right? I would, I, i'm making task <laughs> listen yes I, right i agree with you so i i think it's going to be incumbent because where did brian windhorse get this information from Okay was it from some of the minority owners who are frustrated um i I look back to Sam Garvin, who's running this team in Robert Sarver's stead, and he was one of the ones who wrote a letter of recommendation or uh the letter of support for Robert Sarver and he told told Dwayne Rankin that that Robert Sarver's got limited authority that if if there, if he came to with if they wanted to add a couple of max contracts, Robert Sarver has the power to say no, no, you can't do that, but we're talking about. An eleven million dollar a year player has to go through his desk,
0: his proverbial desk. Right, fine. It might be limited, but that's mm-hmm. a, that's a, that's a curious choice of
1: words. Yeah, it's limited to it really important trades, which is what they need and, to do and right let me now. Let ask you this too: If this were actually factual, if James Jones knew he was handcuffed like this, wouldn't you take a different tack with Jay Crowder? Wouldn't you make him play for you if you knew you didn't have the ability to make trades? Well, there's a
0: million stories in the Naked City, and I think we don't know a very, uh, very critical element to the Crowder story. Like, what the hell went yeah. down Well, it's that they say, stay away, and you are—I mean, they're not even trying. Right. I mean, you could you could say, play, we're still going to try to trade you, but in, in the meantime, <laughs> help us win some games, because mm-hmm. we're paying you a lot of money. And the fact that that
1: hasn't happened, I mean, something had to go down. I don't know. Hey, listen, the trade deadline—what is the trade deadline, February 8th? The 9th. The 9th. Okay. The proof will be in what it, what eventually this roster looks like. Then, just hope for the best. I, I really hope that this report is not a pat, not an obstacle in this team's path. Real, otherwise, yeah, real quick, big. This story exists for a reason. Yeah, Some,
0: somebody talked to Windhorse
1: I about agree. that. That This
0: is not just a random ESPN.com story that Horse felt like writing. I agree
1: with that. All right, coming up on the other side, the Arizona Cardinals have one last game to play. What should you be looking for? We'll tell you about that next. Timmering, Dan Bickley, you're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Yeah, I think more individual, you know, players and confidence coming back. You, you want to get these guys playing at a high level that are going to be back, and young players that are going to go into the off season feeling good about themselves. But you see teams every year that you know are four and twelve or four and thirteen and end up making it to the Super Bowl the next year. So I, I don't think um, it's momentum as much as trying to get some of those younger players um, some confidence
3: heading into the, the uh, off season.
1: That the voice of Cliff Kingsbury entering the season-ending game in San Francisco, a tough, tall task for the Arizona Cardinals, given the fact that this game clearly means something to the 49ers. The 49ers, uh, by all accounts, had their clunker game last week against the Las Vegas Raiders and Jarrett Stidham. Shut up, Jared. Jared Stidham?
2: Yeah, yeah. The the next guy is going to get a big contract from some (laughs) Washington football Uh team or something, or Carolina. Right, exactly. From two games. All right. So uh, we don't had their clunker, and they still won. By the way, the
1: 49ers. They did, they did, and uh, they're a football team that that you know they've got their own dilemma. Maybe at quarterback down the road. If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy enough to come back uh, in the postseason. But they're a motivated football team because they're going to want to lock up that number 2 seed. Unless, of course, they don't want to play the Packers. Would there be any shenanigans? Well, they won't know because the Packers are the late game on Sunday night. They won't know. Could be the Seahawks. Could be the Lions. Kyle Shanahan has already been on the record as saying that he does not believe under any circumstances that you rest guys or don't play guys. He says he's learned the hard way. So it it all kind of points to a football team with the 49ers that are going to give the Cardinals their best shot. Right. So I guess the question becomes, what matters? What matters for this football team going forward? Obviously, you start with the quarterback position. We would, I would love to see more of David Blau. I would love to see what he could do against a ramped-up defense just to get a clearer picture, right? Sure. I would much rather
0: watch David Blau play quarterback than Colt McCoy or Trace McSorley in this mm-hmm. game for that very reason. The yes. individual evaluation of a potential guy who could be in the mix for a roster spot next season. Yeah. But outside of that pick, i got to tell you, this game, to me, it's about hopefully nobody else gets hurt, Mm -hmm. get through it, get it over with, and then let's get on with the offseason. No matter which way they go, I want resolution so we, we know what we're dealing with for 2023.
1: Yeah, we're going to be spending, obviously, some more time talking about this tomorrow and Friday because this is going to be the weird element to watching Sunday's game because it's not only going to be the end of a season, it's going to preface what we all assume is going to be a very interesting Monday here in the Valley where the Black Monday, the day after the NFL regular season is over, the teams that make coaching changes generally pull the plug on Monday. It's just sort of like a league tradition. And there's an expectation among Cardinal fans that we need to get something new in here. And what that's going to look like is anybody's guess. And to me, even if it's not done, Mm -hmm. there's resolution.
0: Now, you you may not agree with the decision, but at least speculation ends. And you know, okay, we're rolling back with Cliff Kingsbury for 2023. He's going to be the guy. Okay, this is the decision by Mike Bidwell. This is what his call is. So we can all start stop, I should say, yapping about it, Mm -hmm. and we can all start trying to figure out a pathway for success and improvement under Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray getting rehabbed and back out on the football field. But at least we know, okay, he's going to steward the ship again. So how is this going to work? How is it going to look? But this is the deal. Mm -hmm. So the speculation and the concern and the wonder ends if that's the decision he goes. So you might not agree with it, but at least you're going to know. And to me, I I take some, oh, I don't know,
1: solace in that at least, that we know what's going to happen now going forward. Right. Uh, It is the last football game for J.J. Watt. Obviously, that is of some meaning. Um, So I'm curious to see what that looks like. I, I think the defense has been... You know, for 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 all the statistics and their their declining rankings, I, I I think they've brought the requisite intensity to the field. I I can't say that all the time about the offense. Yesterday, Kyle Vandenbosch, Bosch, the thing he was disappointed in most was the way that there just didn't seem to be a lot of effort defensively. You know, at um, the end of the game, at the end of that game, yeah, that and they sort of
2: gave up the fight at at the end there.
1: Yeah, and and there were a lot of there were a lot of uh, local fans too who were wondering why didn't Cliff just let the Falcons score a touchdown at that point to at least give yourself a ball? He, well, he should have. Never
2: happens though.
1: It rarely.
2: That's ever something happens. that fans always ask that never actually plays out in a game.
0: But he, but he should have. There's you cannot rely on that point with a minute forty five to go in the game. You cannot rely on a kicker missing that kick. Or you blocking that kick Or them fumbling the football As they try to right. you know, kneel down the clock or, or maybe just run for a short game
2: You talked about the, the Cardinals Surprisingly good or competent defense This year mm-hmm. Aaron Schatz tweeted this out The Cardinals Have the number one Defense in the entire NFL Versus deep passes 16 plus air yards Cardinals number one Behind them, the Eagles, Jets, Patriots, and Steelers, four clearly better teams. It makes sense if you think about it, because they have such good safeties, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson. Jaylen Thompson. And, and when Byron Murphy was healthy, he, he was having a really good year. It's still surprising to see the Cardinals' defense number one in anything. Now, the Cardinals are 31st against passes under 16
0: yards which is second to worst in the entire NFL. Some of that is your linebackers have a tough tough time covering in space and we've saw we've seen that correct. all year. Especially yeah, num- especially number 9. Yep. I mean he really struggles in that regard. Yeah. They've also given up 25.7 points a game, which is 30th in the league right now. And if the 49ers hang 31 or 34 on them, they may finish dead last yeah. in the league in points allowed. So yeah, Vic, they've been underfunded. They've been Performing admirably at times. You look at, even though they're they're at the bottom of the league in points allowed, there were plenty of games where they played well enough in terms of keeping teams off the scoreboard to win football games, giving up 20 points, 20 points, 20 points. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you say they they played good enough to win a football game on this day, but it just hasn't happened.
2: We were talking about earlier uh, what stood out from us and what hasn't set out from Hard Knocks. One of the things we mentioned earlier in the week was that Vance Joseph has come across very well in Hard Knocks, mm-hmm. very head coach-like. Very much. And it's sort, of, um, it's sort of interesting to see how everything plays out, what his future is with the Cardinals, with the NFL.
1: Well, listen, w- when people look at, at possibilities here, there is, okay, I, I don't think, I, there really to me can be no debate that they need a, they need a new infrastructure in football ops. They need a new general manager and they need a different culture. I I, I don't think there's any question about that. I I also firmly believe they need a a different coach who's just much more head coach like and and holds guys accountable. I, I think I've been fairly clear about that over the last couple of years. There are paths that people see that would uh that would allow Mike Bidwill to change the GM but leave the head coach in place one more year to let whoever's the incoming GM have a look see at Cliff Given the fact that the quarterback situation is up in the air going into next year, the thinking is that, OK, is the quarterback situation this year going to affect the quality of coaching candidate you might be able to get? I'm not necessarily I, I don't know if I throw a fit about that, uh, because I do think they need a, a general a better general manager in place more than anything. But at the same time, if there was a football team that was ever screaming for massive changes and an influx of Fresh perspective. It's this one, and I would I would tell Michael Bidwell to look at the Suns at the James Jones Monty Williams dynamic and what that meant meant to an organization that was just floundering. I would ask him to take a look at Brian Dable, who came in from Buffalo, took over the New York Giants, and because it because he has got a pedigree and at a fresh perspective and at a new culture, it's changed everything. And you got to get a guy who can reach this quarterback, who can teach this quarterback, who can demand from this quarterback. If Mike
0: Bidwill does decide to bring Cliff Kingsbury back, I, I hope it's a decision based solely on how he believes Cliff Kingsbury can handle this football team going forward, knowing that Cliff was behind the eight ball this year with injuries and a GM who reportedly allegedly, reportedly, was less available this year. And mm-hmm. Cliff was dealt a very, very bad hand across the board, organizationally and injury-wise. And he believes, when I talk about Mike, he believes that Cliff Kingsbury has what it takes and should be given another chance because of the circumstances that surrounded this season. If if that's the decision, that's the decision. I hope it's not a decision fueled by the contract extension. Mm-hmm. One thing we because have that that would be
2: that would be disappointing to me. One thing we have seen with the with the Tampa game and with the last game, the team has not quit. The team has not given up. They've had these quote-unquote professional losses where they've been in the game really really close, played hard and then lost at the very end of these games. Chargers game. So that that is one thing that like Another, you know, the, he had the injuries, and the team played hard for him. That I guess if they wanted to bring him back, they could. They could factor that.
0: Right. In. If you're arguing for a return of Cliff Kingsbury, these are the things that you would bring up. What Jared just did, what I just did. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, to be very honest with the listeners, I side to to what what Dan thinks on the subject. I, I think it's time for a fresh overhaul and a fresh yeah. culture, not only on the front in the front office, but on the sidelines as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I think so as well. All
1: right, coming up on the other side, we will visit with. The legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, he is Al McCoy, and he is next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Suzanne CP3 for three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Marat. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. <laughs>
1: Ah yes, it's that time—that great time every week where we get to connect with the voice of the Suns, the legendary Al McCoy. He joins us now. Good morning, Al.
3: How are you? Good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Happy
1: New Year, Al. Great to be talking with you. Wish the basketball team were doing a little better. What's your uh, what's your level of concern with the team sitting at twenty eighteen? You're the voice of reason, the voice of experience. What are you thinking?
3: Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> as much as I, uh, ninety I'm minutes. concerned. I'm concerned. I, I know uh, the past few weeks uh, that we always keep telling ourselves, well, this is a good team, and uh, they have talent, and we've used uh, all of the injuries uh, as an excuse. But the thing that bothers me right now is the fact that uh, this team's not ready to play. I mean, they start a game, and before you can blink, they're down by 20 points, and the game is over in the opening quarter. And uh, the thing that really bothers me is I I don't know what's happened to this team. The intensity is not there. Uh, They don't come out uh, ready to play uh, with any competitive nature at all, and uh, things just aren't going well. That's about the only way you can put it.
0: Al, I don't know if you agree or not, but one thing that has really surprised me lately because I didn't really, I didn't realize it before. When last year's uh, injuries happened, you know, you could survive because the culture was good. The team had mojo. Devin Booker goes down for a few games, no problem. The winning continued. I, I am shocked at how how evident it is right now. How reliant this team is on Devin Booker to win basketball games. Because honestly, how they look lost out there with.
3: Him. Well, they do, and there's, there's no question about it. that They are lost. Now, you have to realize that the Suns, basically, their offense is uh, guards and forwards. Uh, they are the ones that are expected to do the scoring, and with no Devin Booker, it's like they're lost. Now, you have DeAndre Ayton, but they don't post him up. They bring their starting center out to set screens for the guards and forwards who, uh, you know, are supposed to be doing the scoring. That's all well and good when Devin Booker is there, but he's not there. And the Suns have not been able to adjust uh, offensively, at least. It certainly doesn't look that way. And they're going to have another big challenge tonight. In Cleveland, because Donovan Mitchell is coming off a 71-point uh, performance, and they're playing very, very well. But, again, it all goes back to me to just not being ready to play, yeah. not, not being competitive, yeah. and not coming out with any type of a, a chip on their shoulder, not being aggressive. Not no intensity in their game, and you're just not going to win games in the NBA with that attitude.
1: Now, DeAndre Ayton got his money. He's obviously been a polarizing guy in the Valley. I I started after that Knicks game, I'm starting to feel very angry at him again for just the lack of force and the lack of rebounding. I mean, five rebounds, he should be able to do that in a quarter. Am I being too hard on him? Is he too easy of a scapegoat, or does this guy need to find a way to play more physical and carry this team a bit?
3: Well, I have to answer that question. I just was talking yesterday with a veteran and former coach in the NBA, and he said, why aren't they posting up their starting center, DeAndre Ayton? Uh, We know that uh, the offensive philosophy for the Suns is uh, guard forward oriented. And here they have a guy that we know has ability, has size. And rather than posting him up with any type of consistency, they have him out on top setting screens for those guards and forwards who are trying to score. But with no Devin Booker, they can't. So I just don't know how DA's being utilized yeah, properly. That's that's uh, he's not going to do it posting up out on top, and that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and D.A. also likes the jump hook as opposed to the drop steps, and he likes the face-up jumper, so some of it's on him as well. But, Al, as I like to say, it takes a village, and right now the Suns aren't are getting uh, enough offensively out of their collective unit. You know, the Cavaliers, are, they're the best defensive team in the league in terms of points allowed. They're the best team in the league in terms of keeping their opponents off the glass, so you're trying to avoid a 1-5 road trip tonight, and it's going to be difficult. And I think at the end of the day, we can talk about... About the role players in the bench. But this is a game to my, to, to, tonight, to me, that looks like Chris Paul, Mikel Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton have to put this team on their back, and they have to will this team to victory if they want to get a W tonight.
3: Well, they have to come out with some type of physical play, some type of intensity. They have to come out that that old phrase we use, ready to play, because they haven't shown that on this road trip at, at all. And uh, we know that uh, the ability is there, but for some reason, and this is the thing that's just a mystery to me, they just come out uh, so lackadaisical at the start of games that before you can blink, they're down by 20, and, and the game's basically over. Yeah. Do, yeah.
1: You th- do you think maybe in the short term, starting Damian Lee and just embracing a smaller lineup might have some impact? What, what, what do you think are some options right now?
3: Well, I think it's definitely worth a try. Uh, at least uh, those two or three guys that we would mention that come off the bench come out and play hard and they come out and try and compete. I think it's worth trying something.
0: Yeah, and Al, the other thing is talk about those slow starts. And I hope this isn't the case, but my eyes tell me differently. It's almost like the team is saying we don't have Cam, we don't have Devin Booker. This is not who we are. Let's just kind of <laughs> go through the motions and buy time until we get those guys back and then we'll go on one of those Phoenix Suns runs. But Al... You've been around a long time. The, the more those losses pile up, those losses count. And it's going to make your playoff position a lot more difficult You know, if you get there, if you lose a bunch of games in January. So they have to snap well, out of this it,
3: thing. It does seem like that might be the attitude. And it's not a good attitude to have in the NBA, that's for sure because uh, the losses are mounting up now and you're giving confidence to every team you're playing against, because now these teams come in and say, Hey, we come out, play physical, do a little grabbing and holding. And because the Suns aren't going to drive the ball to the basket, they're going to be shooting those outside shots. And, uh, we're going to have an easy night, so who knows? Another yeah. test tonight, no question about yeah. it. Yeah.
1: I, I, I hope they just show some pride in some fight tonight. That's I, I think you're right. That's the one thing that has just been obvious. They just take the floor, and they're down by 20, and it's like, okay, we've seen this t- too many times already.
3: No question about it. And someone has to become a leader and step up. As as I said, we know what Devin Booker means to this team, but they're going to have to do something without him. And uh, you can't just sit back and feel sorry for yourself because, as we've talked so many times, all kinds of injuries all over the NBA all kinds of situations where players don't play back-to-back games. Uh, You know, it looks like right now it's going to go down to the second half of the season, and when playoff time rolls around, the team that's healthy and can make a run is going to be the team to beat. But the Suns need to turn it around, and, well, maybe it'll happen tonight in Cleveland. Let's hope. No doubt about it. All right, thank you, Al. You're the best. Appreciate your time. Okay, have a good one, guys. See
1: you, you too. Legendary Al McCoy joining us, as he always does on Wednesday. It's always a treat for us and for Suns fans in the Valley. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll update you on DeMar Hamlin and what it means for the rest of the NFL going into Week 18. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Quickly and Morata. Hash marks.
0: I was thinking last night, you know, every thought kind of, you know, crosses your mind. What are they going to do with the game? Are they just going to move it to tomorrow and, you know, like, all right, we're going to, you know, I and, then, and then, oh, well, then what about playoffs and all this other that, you know, gets thrown around that doesn't really matter? Um, I don't know. You know, I've been a part of a few games where they've carved guys off and, and uh, you know, we've had players with neck injuries and it is, it shakes you to the core.
1: Welcome back. That the unmistakable voice of Aaron Rodgers. That was Aaron Rodgers, right, Ferret?
2: That was Aaron Rodgers. That was indeed Aaron Rodgers. And yes, That was him on the Pat McAfee show. I, I still was, doing his weekly appearance.
1: Yeah, there. yeah. I was listening to uh, I was listening to an NFL player talk about this yesterday, and basically, the, the what happened was what happened to Demar Hamlin was basically pierced the 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 tire of courage. That players inflate themselves with to play this game, to reconcile the fact that they're playing this game. And and it, it, he was saying that as a football player, you've got to get yourself to a point emotionally where you don't think about that stuff. And the NFL is in a point and players are at a point where they can't help but not. Think about DeMar Hamlin and not only the safety of him, but the fear and the reality that football, this is a job that can kill you. And that that is what was made clear the other night. We've never seen a player, I've never seen a player being given, being administered CPR on the field. You can only imagine what the players on the sideline who saw paramedics doing that procedure must have been thinking. You wonder how the Buffalo Bills are going to be able to continue um, and, and I think what everybody has been waiting for is news that DeMar Hamlin is going to make it, that he's going to survive. Um, and at this moment, it's, there's, there are po- reports that are positive and trending in the right direction, but he's still in critical condition. And as you pointed out, the family has come out of their way to, to, to try to clarify the uncle's remarks that DeMar Hamlin had to be resuscitated twice. They said it's not true. They said it's not true. It's not accurate. Only once on the football field. The
0: lesson there is even family members don't quite have the story straight. So as we... Have this thirst, a natural thirst for information about the status of this young man. Mm-hmm. We just have to wait. You know, sometimes I assume at some point the, the physicians at the hospital will give a press conference. We've all seen that before, uh, where doctors step in front of the cameras and the mics and they talk about the condition uh, of the patient. I hope we mm-hmm. at some point get get that. You know, Bick, you were talking about players getting in a place from where they are now. To being able to play this game again the way mm-hmm. they need to play it the way it's supposed to be played or has to be played, one of the key components in getting from point A to point B is time, and time is a luxury that the teams and the players and the league they just simply don't have right no. now. Uh, they you could the one the one thing they could have done is they could have postponed football this weekend pushed everything you know, back a week and eliminate the two week period between conference championship games and the Super Bowl, but clearly the league has made a decision that they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. The the decision they're trying to make right now is do we even need to play this Bengals Bills game right. at some point before the playoffs? And my guess is they're they're hoping that they don't. And there's
2: it's- precedence throughout the last, you know, several years with 911 we all remember mm-hmm. they essentially took a week off delayed everything a week and then picked up a week later with the schedule they they could do it and in 2020 with covid they played games on every day of the week including tuesday wednesday and friday because they were rearranging stuff on the fly mm-hmm. so there's precedent of of doing this stuff the thing that's unprecedented is it happened the second to last week of the year and then trying to just fit this this in now, right? Yeah. That's
0: what I mean. They don't have the luxury of time, and they don't have the luxury of moving the Super Bowl. That can't happen. But there's a little bit of wiggle room. And look, look at it. It's it's a moot point. It, it, the the playoffs are going to begin as scheduled from everything that I've read and and understood from where the league is at right now. I just think the, the biggest the biggest hurdle in this whole thing is does the Bills Bengals game need to be played? If it does need to be played. Will the league still not play it and just say, hey, listen, these this is the seeding, gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, deal with
1: it. Well, OK, Here, here's the deal, though. The fact of the matter is you're talking about the Bills-Bengals just wasn't just an ordinary game. This is a I game get, I know. that is in pursuit of the number one seed in the AFC. And the number one seed, as we've discussed, is a, an overweighted prize. They're the only teams that are going to get a bye week in the playoffs. So this this thing that has to be settled between the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals is a gigantic advantage for one of the three teams. So, so like if the season were to end today and say you were going to do the equitable thing and say, okay, let's just make the Bills Bengals game not count and let's just go by winning percentage. If you did that today, the Chiefs are 13 and 3, the Bills are 12 and 3, you're giving the Chiefs the, uh, a bye week in the number one seed because they played and won one more game. That doesn't seem fair and yet at the same time there's the human element of what is reasonable to expect the bills to be able to do and and as as Jarrett reiterated we talked to katherine fitzgerald of the buffalo news she covers the team it's a it's it was basically ten thirty in the morning when we talked to her she didn't even know if the team was practicing, practicing. but here's the thing guys after week
0: 18 Wild card weekend is is coming up. That you can't cram no. a week nineteen game in the middle of you that can't. because you don't know which team no. is going to be the the two seat. I right. mean, so so the only if if that game has to be played, it has to play a standalone weekend week nineteen, and then all the playoff games, mm-hmm. divisional playoffs. AFC and NFC Championship Sunday all has to slide a mm-hmm. week back, and there has to be only one week between Championship Sunday and Super Bowl. It's happened seven times before mm-hmm. in the history of the Super Bowl where there's only one week between Conference Championship Sunday is that a, and Super Bowl I Sunday. I feel like it, it
2: always was that way until like seven the last... Seven times.
0: Oh, I'm surprised. Now, what they're
2: probably going to do is let this week play out. Yes, and, and then if, if Kansas City wins, if Buffalo or Cincinnati loses, and it all doesn't matter anyway, then it sort of works out for them. The NFL doesn't have to make that decision of playing that game. But if That's,
1: Kansas City goes up to Vegas and gets lit up by Jared's Jared, job, Stidham Jared, going Jared for that Jared, contract. Right. Yeah, right.
2: And then and then, so you then know Buffalo 13 wins 13
1: this week, four, then Buffalo wins. They'd be thirteen and three. Right. Then something would have to be thought. I, I don't know. I don't know. To me, it's there's such bad juju. Um, uh, attached to that Chiefs, uh, d- ch- I'm sorry. Attached to that Bengals Bills game, that I think you you leave it. You leave it where it is. You don't even attempt to replay that game. You don't go back to that scene. And even you just it- leave that be
0: and even if it means the bills have the two seed in that uh, in that scenario i mean
1: yeah yeah I, I i do i i don't i don't think the the idea of making up that game to settle seating and thereby pushing everything back for everybody else i don't know it's this is a conundrum because the nfl you know it's the nfl is going to take a lot of grief because as much as they harp on the fact that we emphasize player safety they still put their players through thursday night football and yeah. that's one of those things that that's just one of those Arguments. The NFL cannot win. You cannot sit there and say you are committed to players' safety when you are subjecting them to that. You just—it's a non-starter. And, and so, but at the same time, as we have had to acknowledge for all the people who have who have looked at this and used this moment to 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 be mad about things, it's the NFL had a team of of EMTs on the field. They were on Demar, De, DeMar Hamlin like that. They gave him world-class care in a matter of nanoseconds and he was in the best place he could have been to suffer an incident like that. Now again, that incident only happened because of football. So it's it's sort of a false equivalency, but the fact of the matter is the NFL is going to be judged on how they handle this because there's got to be a there's got to be a fine line between humanity and the show must go on.
0: And they but they can't be judged through a critical lens for trying to navigate what is now a logistical nightmare when they did the right thing by canceling that game. Eventually. Right, but to be fair, listen. Okay, it took 10, 15 minutes. Sorry, it didn't take five minutes. Yeah, that's true. And and, and also, those guys in New York were probably thinking about that logistical nightmare, which now is in their lap when they were trying to struggle with what do we do. Mm. And ultimately, they did get to the right decision to not play that football game. So now how they navigate something that Vic, this is a classic case is there are no good answers right there are there there are no great solutions no to this problem no so however they come up with it and we all got to live with it because they did the
1: right thing by canceling the game, it, what would be really good is if if Damar Hamlin improved to the point where he could breathe on him uh, on his own, take out all intubation, and that his brain waves were all good. That would be that would be the story that would allow people to kind of okay, we we are now free to focus on this. Yeah, you could feel a little bit more comfortable moving right, on to the next. Right, thing. totally agree.
0: Yeah, just
1: but, that little that little breath of news. Yeah, that he's going to be okay. I think. I think that's what the Bills need because I, I. I don't think necessarily it's that the Bills can't mentally get themselves in a place to play this game. I think it's because the Bills would think it's wrong to go play a football game while their teammates on life support. I, I think they would think that that would be just. Wrong, inhumane. We may we may
0: lose we may lose our brother and our friend and our teammate. Right. We can't we can't get there to play. Yes. And as we said earlier, right. you know Catherine was on with us at you know an hour over an hour ago. Didn't even know if the Bills were going to practice today. It's Wednesday.
1: How about that? That game's five days away. How about that? All right. On the other side, it's about that time. Social Studies Ruthless is back. It's next. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.